We are on Ksubis Nunvav Omebez 56b, about 10 lines from the top, as we continue in our discussion of our Mishnah, and we'll continue with the opinion of Rav Meir. So just a quick review. Our Mishnah and Gemara are discussing what happens in the following scenario. What happens when uh, we know that there's a Ksuba, there's a concept of a Ksuba, that the husband is obligated to pay his wife 100 or 200, depending on whether it's a first or second marriage, uh, for her uh, 100 or 200 when the marriage ends, whether the husband passes away or they get divorced. And what happens in a situation where they want to uh, lower it? Let's say she agrees that she will uh, forego the ksuba. Does that work? Does that not work? So we saw in the last class that Rabbi Huda is of the opinion that she could be mochelas, she could forego the ksuba. However, the key point is that that's only after the ksuba has already been created. After there was already a ksuba from the beginning of their marriage, so then during the marriage she has the right and the ability to uh, say that she doesn't she doesn't need to get paid. Uh, she could forego and uh, be mochelas on the ksuba. Uh, however, the Gemara does say that according to Yehuda, if from the onset they say and they they write that there is no ksuba, that would not work. And we saw in the Gemara that the reason for this is because Rabbi Huda is of the opinion. There's a very interesting discussion about what happens when a person makes a condition um, on on a biblical on a derisa concept. And the concept of marriage is a Torah idea. It's a Torah um, Torah status of being married. So what happens, and there's certain requirements uh, that come along with it uh, on a biblical level, such as um, such as sherek susva'ona, such as the obligation to pay for clothing, for, uh, for sustenance, for food, uh, and to... to uh, engage in sexual relations. These are obligations on a biblical level. So what happens in situations where a person makes a condition and they say that uh, they want to get married but without the requirements of the Torah? Does that work? Does that not work? And we saw that uh, everybody agrees that it would not work unless it's a certain situation where we're dealing with monetary issues. And that was a dispute when it comes to monetary issues, a dispute between Rav Meir and Rav Behuda. Rav Meir is of the opinion that even when it comes to monetary issues, you, one cannot uh, go against the Torah. And Rabbi Huda was of the opinion that one can go against the Torah. Uh, probably the idea is that the Torah uh, gave it, let's say, in a case of uh, sharing sus, that the husband has an obligation to provide for clothing to his wife and sustenance. So that was to the benefit of his wife. The Torah created this, the Torah instituted this as meaning Hashem instituted this as um, as a requirement and to benefit for the wife. If the wife doesn't want that benefit, that monetary benefit, so then she could back out. Uh, so that was the position of Rabbi Huda. So the big question became that we discussed last time was if that's the case, so then why does Rabbi Huda hold that from the onset, if they wanted to lower the ksuba, then that wouldn't work? And so the Gemara explained because since, since Rabbi Huda is of the opinion that the concept of a ksuba as opposed to the obligation to pay for uh, sustenance and clothing, that's on a biblical level. When it comes to Ksuba, that's on a rabbinic level. And if it's on a rabbinic level, we want to strengthen the rabbinic decree. 
and therefore if uh, they try to change it from the onset to say that there's no ksuba that would not work if later on she wants to uh, be mochelas and forgo the rights that she has towards the ksuba she's allowed to do that but from the onset Rabbi Huda would not allow that that is all the position of Rabbi Huda the Gemara now will discuss the position of Rabbi Meir Rabbi Meir says uh, that she is never allowed to uh, lower the ksuba whether it's from the very beginning or whether it's later on in uh, the marriage, uh, she she has she is not allowed to uh, lower the ksuba. Uh, so the Gemara explains, uh, she's not she's not even allowed to lower it, even if it was a tenai. Meaning as follows: even if from the onset uh, she says that uh, she doesn't want to have ksuba, she doesn't want to receive ksuba, the monetary payment from the very beginning, and that's a t'nai, that's a condition that's done for, um, in the beginning of the marriage, and it won't work. That t'nai will not work. That condition will not actually take place. It, it won't work. She's, she's going against what it says in the Torah. Um, nevertheless, Reb Meir says that even in that case, Reb Meir used the language in the Mishnah that says that even, even in that case, if they were to engage in sexual relations, so then it's like it's bi'ilaznus. It's like they're having sexual relations outside the context of marriage. So what exactly is going on here? Basically, even in a case where they make a condition at the very beginning of the marriage, which that condition falls away because it's going against what it says in the Torah. Amakasavar to no batal. That the tnai, that condition, uh, becomes nullified. It doesn't exist because it's going against what the Torah says. V'islam, really she gets the full ksuba. In that case, she would get the full ksuba of 200. She attempts, she makes an attempt to say that she doesn't need it, but it doesn't work. And so she gets the full 200. Even though she gets the full 200, her mayor will still say that it, they're not allowed to have sexual relations. Uh, it, and it's like having sexual relations outside the context of marriage. Why? The Gemara explains, They came into Amr Allah, Leslach, Elamana, Losamcha, uh, because since she thinks and she's relying on the Ksuba, in, in actuality and in truth, she should receive the full 200. But she doesn't realize that. She's making a certain condition here on the marriage to say that she doesn't have to receive the full 200. So she thinks she's receiving less. Anytime, or mayor's of the opinion, anytime that she thinks she's receiving less, uh, so then that is uh, a marriage which um, is not a proper marriage. And therefore... Uh, if they would have sexual relations, it would be viewed as having sexual relations outside the out of the context of marriage, which is a fascinating idea. And so, one explanation that I heard behind this is that the concept of exuba is not just there uh, to um, make a person think twice about whether or not they want to get divorced, which is true. That in, in and of itself is also true. However, part of the exuba is that it provides stability throughout the marriage, even when they don't want to get divorced. But it provides stability throughout the marriage to say that this is not something which is we just get married and can easily get undone, and so it could be a uh, it, it could be a short term marriage. No, the the purpose of the ksuba is to provide greater sanctity towards the marriage to show how this marriage is uh, something which we hope will last and last uh, for a very very long time. Uh, and the ksuba helps protect that. And so without that, when she says that she doesn't want that, so then it's, it's, it, 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 
it fundamentally changes the nature of the marriage itself. The marriage is no longer a marriage of 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 uh, lasting a long time, of being based on a commitment. It weakens the commitment once she says that she doesn't want to receive or she receives less of the ksuba. Um, and so that's perhaps why Rav Meir says that to have sexual relations within that type of marriage, it's fundamentally a different type of marriage, it would be viewed as having sexual relations outside the context of marriage. Either way, even though, and, and part of the idea that the Gemara is now telling us is that even though really she should receive the full 200, because the condition that she created at the beginning of the marriage is meaningless, and she should really receive the full 200 because in her mind she's only receiving 100, so then uh, that itself makes it like it's bilaznus, like she's having sexual relations outside the context of marriage. The Gemara now asks, on this position of a mayor, that says that if, if you make a condition from the onset, the condition will become nullified because it's going into the Torah. The Gemara says, wait a minute. The Gemara says, I don't understand. We've been discussing the concept that a person cannot make a condition on a certain a certain Torah idea, Torah status, like marriage, which is a Torah status. A person cannot make a certain condition which would go against the Torah's values and perspective on that status, on that status of marriage. So according to mayor, a person cannot make a condition that would go against how the Torah perceives it. However, uh, asks the Gemara, but that's only if it's on a biblical level. If it's on a rabbinic level, it sounds like Rav Meir would say that one could make a condition that goes against a rabbinic idea, not a biblical uh, perspective, but from a rabbinic perspective, one could make a condition against that. And the problem is that ksuba seems to be only an obligation on a rabbinic level, which is an important question. Is the whole concept of ksuba, the obligation that the husband has to pay 100 or 200, even if the values, the amount of 100 or 200 might be rabbinic according to everybody, but what about the whole concept? The whole concept, is that a rabbinic idea or is that a biblical idea? So the Gemara assumes that it's a rabbinic idea. If it's a rabbinic idea, so then I don't understand. Even according to a mayor, uh, a person should be able to make a condition that uh, that flies in the face of a rabbinic idea. It sounds like that should work. It's only if it's on a biblical level is it a problem. But if it's on a rabbinic level, that condition should continue to exist. So that's the question of the Gemara. Isn't Iksuba on a rabbinic level? And therefore, why is it that the condition of having a marriage without, with, a, with a less of a ksuba is nullified. Why is it nullified? It's going up against a rabbinic value, and that should, that should be able to, um, to stay. That should be a, a good condition. So the Gemara's answer is, Kasar Rameir ksuba deraisa. The Gemara answers, ah, oh, we see from here that it must be that Rameir holds that no, that ksuba, the whole concept of ksuba is really a biblical... Um, a biblical value. It's a uh, it's, obli- it's an obligation on a biblical level for the husband to uh, give this amount uh, to give something to his wife at the end of the marriage, and it's really a biblical value. And therefore, to to bring it all together, therefore, according to the mayor, because it's a biblical value, so therefore, when one makes a condition at the beginning of the marriage, if she makes a condition that says that she doesn't want to get paid the ksuba, she's going up against the Torah value. She's going up against the Torah value. That condition um, becomes nullified. Really, she re- should receive the full 200. And even though she's receiving the full 200, 
since in her mind she's not, she doesn't know the law, she doesn't know the halacha, so then even so, even though she's receiving the full 200, she will still uh, not be allowed to have sexual relations because it's viewed as though she's having sexual relations outside the context of marriage, which is the idea that we explained a few minutes ago, that it's fundamentally a different type of a marriage. Okay, that is all the position of a mayor. The Gemara now will continue with and try to analyze a third position. So we had Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda is of the position that one can't create from the onset a condition to say that there's a, a lower ksuba because it's a rabbinic value and uh, we want to strengthen the rabbinic value. However, if later on in the marriage uh, she wants to be mochelas for go the ksuba she's allowed to, we had the position of Meir who says that even from the onset, um, that from the, not just from the onset, but even during the marriage itself, either way, uh, she cannot lower the ksuba because it will then create a fundamentally different type of a marriage, let's say, and uh, she can't lower the ksuba, it will cause uh, any sexual relations that she has, it's like it's as if it's outside the context of marriage. That is the position of Rehuda and of Meir. The Gemara now will present a third opinion. Tanya, it's Tana Brace, Rehmeir, Omer, Kola, Pochis, Lebusul, Mamasayim, Velamana, Mimana, Rehmeir's opinion we've uh, just learned about, and it's in the Mishnah. Same, same position that anything which is less than what they deserve, and what, then it's like it's Bila's Nus. It's like it's sexual relations outside the context of marriage. Rabiosi Omer Rashai. Rabiosi says it aloud. We'll, we'll get to Rabiosi in a minute. This is the, that's the new opinion. Rabbi Huda Omer writes a kosev b'sula shtar shem asayim v'kosevus lo v'skabatim mochamana v'almana mana v'kosevus lo v'skabatim mochamishim zos. Rabbi Huda is of the opinion. This is the same Rabbi Huda as the Mishnah that uh, after they get married, she has the ability to lower the ksuba. She can say she doesn't want the full ksuba; she wants less. So the Gemara says, but we have the opinion of Rabbi Yossi. What is the position of Rabbi Yossi? Rabbi Yossi says he goes to the other extreme, and he says that Rabbi Huda is sort of the middle ground. Rabbi is one extreme, and Rabbi Yossi is the other extreme. Rabbi Yossi says that even if they make a condition from the beginning of the marriage, it will work. To say that there's, they don't want Aksuba, that she doesn't want Aksuba, it would work. That itself would work. So Gemara questions this and says, does Rabbi Yossi really hold this? Does Rabbi Yossi really hold that uh, she could forego the Aksuba um, uh, even from the very beginning? Minhi, but we have the following brisa with Rubiosi in it. What does the brisa say? So we'll see that the brisa has two opinions: the first opinion, and then the second opinion is Rubiosi. In osin ksubas ishim mitaltan olam. The first opinion says that uh, one cannot pay the ksuba from movable objects. Why? Uh, because of tikun olam. This is to help her, because we are afraid that maybe that if, if we designate a specific object, so then. It might get lost and then she won't get paid. Or let's say the value goes down and then she doesn't get paid the amount that she's supposed to get paid. According to this first opinion, she's supposed to get paid a certain amount. If you designate a specific item, movable item, so it might get lost. If it's a field, the field's not going to get lost. But a movable item might get lost or it might uh, depreciate and go down in value. And then she won't be getting the amount that she she, she deserves. Rabiosi comments on this. Amr Rabiosi, the same Rabiosi that we're discussing, and says... Rabiosi says the value is going to go down. I don't understand. Sigmar wants to know what exactly is going on here. Yeah, the first opinion also held that the value is going to go down, and therefore you cannot designate movable objects for the ksuba. So what's Rabiosi saying? Oh, but it's going down in value. What was he saying? So Sigmar explains. 
Tanakama nami enos and kamar. El lav halchi kamar. This is what it means. But medram we're in bishelo kibul lav achrayas. If we kibul lav achrayas, osin v'asar biyos the meimar kibul lav achrayas. Amayosin v'halo ink suvin v'polsin. The first opinion really holds that the only time that you cannot designate movable objects is when you haven't uh, also designated a replacement. To say that if this thing is lost, ah, the, the husband's saying he'll pay his wife from this movable object. Uh, however, if it gets lost, so then he's taking responsibility to pay with something else, with a different object. So the, the, the first opinion says that that would work, that's fine, because the concern is that it might get lost. So, but he has a backup, so therefore we're not concerned that it might get lost. He still will pay with something else. Rebe- comes Rebiosi and says, no, what are you talking about? You still can't do that. That wouldn't work because we're not just concerned about it getting lost. We're also concerned about it going down in value. It's depreciating in value. If it will go down in value, so then she doesn't get what she deserves. And that's the concern. That's what Rebiosi says. And, and the reason why we're bringing this is because this Rebiosi seems to be going against the Rebiosi that we just mentioned a few minutes ago. This Rebiosi is saying, we don't want her to lower her ksuba. Uh, we don't want her to get paid through movable objects because it might depreciate in value and then she's getting less. So we see that Rebiosi is of the opinion that we don't want her to get less. So how could Rebiosi say that uh, even from the onset, at the very beginning of the marriage, she could forego the ksuba? Uh, we're saying now within Rebiosi that we're concerned. We don't want her to get paid from movable objects because uh, the value might depreciate and she might not get what the, the full amount. So how do we explain this? The answer is no. Uh, let's just read the question. So basically, in movable objects, it's questionable and might depreciate in value. And Rebiosi is concerned. So then, certainly in our case, where she's forgoing the whole ksuba, or, or, or certainly forgoing part of the ksuba, so certainly he should be concerned. The answer is no. There's a big difference, says the Gemara over there by the movable objects, she thinks that she's getting paid. If she thinks she's getting paid, she has to get paid in full. And therefore, she cannot get paid with movable objects because it might depreciate in value. But in our case, she knows what she's getting herself into. She's the one who's saying and making this and adding to the ksuba, adding to the marriage and saying she doesn't want to get paid the full ksuba. So she knows full well what she's doing. In that case, Rebiosi agrees that she's allowed to do that. So essentially, the position of Rebiosi is that if she thinks she's getting the whole ksuba, so then we have to make sure that she gets that. But it, she has the right, even from the very beginning of the marriage, to say that she doesn't want the ksuba, or she doesn't even want a portion of the ksuba, or the entire ksuba, against Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda said from the very beginning of the marriage, we want to strengthen the rabbinic decree. And so therefore we'll say she cannot get rid of the ksuba. However, Rabbi Yossi says, no, there's no such thing. It's a rabbinic decree, and we uh, we don't need to strengthen it. The position of Rabbi Yossi is that we don't need to strengthen it, and therefore um, she can forego the ksuba, even from the very beginning, against Rabbi Huda. So we have three opinions. We have the opinion of Rabbi Yossi who says that she could always get rid of uh, her ksuba, even from the very beginning. We have the position of Rabbi Meir who says she can never uh, forego her ksuba, even during the marriage. And then we have the middle ground of Rabbi Huda who says that uh, she could uh, be mochela, she could forego her rights to the ksuba during the marriage, but not at the very beginning. So we have these three different opinions. As we conclude, Nunvav and Bez, um, 65, 56B, sorry, uh, and we'll continue next week uh, with the next page, the next stuff.